you ever make a choice that in the moment seems like a really good idea and then about I don't know. Yes, Rob, I got married. <laughs> Two hours, okay. Two hours later, you're like, ah, that was a that was just about the worst idea ever, and someone really should have stopped me. Uh, that person is Ron DeSantis. 93 WIPC is the Kendall and Casey show. I got to give you credit, Ethan. You are just a one direct son of a gun, and I admire the heck out of you for that. And look, people do this in life where you have to, you're at that, you know, the, the, the fork in the road, and you got to decide which way you're going to go. And sometimes it's done on emotion. Sometimes it's done on logic. Sometimes it's done on a mixture of emotion and logic. And in the case of Ron DeSantis, it's been a bad result, but I'm not sure he made a bad... I mean, look, in hindsight, he made a bad choice. But in the moment, it seemed like, and we're talking about running for president, seemed like a no-brainer for him to do. Oh, unquestionably, he made the correct decision to run for president. He had the cultural zeitgeist. If he would have waited, the moment would have passed him by. He struck while the medal was hot. He had the opportune moment, and sadly, this wasn't his time. But he chose the right time to make the gambit. Yeah. Sometimes that gambit doesn't always pay off. And people say, you know, Tony Kennett said this earlier, well, you know, he hasn't run a very good campaign. He's run an okay campaign by traditional standards. Has he lit the world on fire? No. But if you took Ron DeSantis and you dropped him into 2004 or 2008 or maybe even 2012, you would go, he's running a fine campaign. He was the, he's not Rick Perry going oops. He's not Fred Thompson mumbling his way, acting like he doesn't want to be there. He was the perceived as the guy and he's by and large played bogey free golf he hasn't made a bunch of birdies but he also you know isn't five over par he's kind of just run a traditional campaign and given how good his record was in florida i think many people thought the more you see this guy if indeed the country clamors because that's what biden was about for many people it was like they didn't necessarily dislike trump's policies they simply and this is bizarre i think this is totally weird i'm not this person by any shape form or fashion they just expect the president to be something and they yearn for a more boring day-to-day operation from the white house well biden gave you boring he also gave you incoherent bumbling and lost his marbles and he's run the country into the ground and i thought okay if that's what you desire but you like trump's policies isn't desantis like the porridge is just mm-hmm. right, and yet he has not gained any traction whatsoever and has, in fact, gone backwards. So doesn't this speak to a phenomenon we discussed earlier in the show, which is the importance of personality in the political presentation to sway voters and become a leader? Because that's the thing. That's the only thing that DeSantis is lacking from my point of view. He's got the bona fides. Yeah. He's got the record to run on. He's got a solid point of view. He's got a conservative foundation. What he doesn't have is the the, the energy, the je ne sais quoi. Um, the what? The, the je ne sais quoi, the un, uh, undiscernible, undefinable feature that makes a leader um, attractive. Did you learn that on Babel or like where did you That's come up with That is phrase. a common phrase, Rob. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I actually know that one. I've never heard that phrase. And what was it? Blah, je ne sais quoi. Yeah, je ne sais quoi. Yep. And what, is that, knows, what does that mean, knows. Mr. Learned uh, Study Abroad Man? It means like uh, 
how do I describe it? Like that's, that's why what I, it exactly. means. No, that's, that's that's it. exactly what it means. How do I describe it? It's that's that what undiscernible. It means. Yeah. yeah, that undiscernible, undefinable, you know, oh, X factor. Sure. Je ne sais quoi. Um, why didn't you just say that? Why? What, I mean, <laughs> what, like, I mean, I feel like you. I'm not saying you're speaking in tongues here, but I feel like multiple times throughout this show today, you weave into various foreign languages, Ethan. And I, I really like. Trouble... I like to bring vocabulary sure. to the broadcast, yeah. and I think we've introduced a number of new and exciting words to our listeners uh, this broadcast. <laughs> so there's a new poll out and. And this is even in Florida where he just, I mean, he just boat raced the competition. He lifted up uh, the down ballot people. He, he helped Marco Rubio immensely, he being DeSantis. This poll from the University of North Florida found that DeSantis is down 40 points to Trump in his home state. That, Ethan, to me is mind boggling that. You are this incredibly popular governor. You easily won re-election. You exceeded all expectations. You won in almost every county in the state. You won in traditionally blue strongholds. You lifted every down-ballot candidate with you. And you're down 40 points to a guy who, yes, Trump won the state, but it wasn't like Trump won 80% of the vote against Biden in Florida in 2020. What do we make of this? It's it's by the way the numbers are Trump at 60, DeSantis at 21. Rob, I told you I don't understand the direction of the Republican Party since 2016 and particularly like what really energized me. I remember this was when I was becoming really politically active and politically awake was circa 2010. Remember the Tea Party wave, the Tea Party movement. 2010 I would have just been turning 18 years old. Um and and they ran on limited government constitutional conservatism, reigning in runaway spending, lowering taxes, all economic messages that I believe in and can wholeheartedly support. Seems like the party ran away from that with Donald Trump during 2016 when they actually held all the branches of government, when they had the presidency, when they had the House, when they had the Senate, they added... What was it? A quarter of the total national debt in all of United States history. A quarter of the debt was added under Donald Trump's four years. You want to talk about how, what a profligate spender Obama was. Donald Trump was the same thing, if not worse, in a, a shorter period of time. So I'm mystified what the attraction here is. I believe in limited government. I believe in reigning in the Washington spending. Donald Trump does not. I, I guess many Republican voters, it is not as an important issue to them. By the way, behind the scenes, a little inside baseball thing here if you'd like to see how the radio show works. So there's a famous movie. It's famous for being bad where Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are in this movie together. uh, And I forget what the name of it is. But the movie is, it's a horrific movie. It was like this, supposed to be this big blockbuster. At, you know, I think it was post Blues Brothers. Um, and they switch roles where Aykroyd plays the wacky guy and Belushi is the straight guy. And so when Ethan is on the show, I play the straight guy and Ethan is the bombastic lunatic guy. So it's really, it's like I'm, I'm expanding my acting skills here uh, today, having to, because we can't have two people screaming, Ethan. Um, <laughs> and I get that there are people who just say, look, the, the the election in 2020 was not on the up and up. Trump uh, Trump should have been the president. Trump was the president, whatever. But there's all sorts of points in life where people feel like they get screwed, either in relationships or in business or in whatever it might be. And you're sour about it for a while. But then if something better comes along, you're like, well, 
that was awful, and I've been mad about this for a year, or I've been mad about this for six months, or I've been mad about this for three days, or whatever it is, but this is clearly better, and maybe it's better that it worked out this way anyway. I'll go with this person, or this thing, or this company, or whatever. And DeSantis has, I guess, apparently not been able to capitalize on that, because even if you take everybody else, so this poll had everybody in the equation, but even if you just ask people in this University of North Florida uh, public opinion research lab poll, let's just say it's Trump and DeSantis, it's Trump 59, DeSantis 39. So at least he's not down 40, but he's still down 30. And it shows that DeSantis just hasn't been able to show people yeah, you may have felt wronged and you may have got screwed, but we got to look forward and this is the best way for it and I'm the best way for it. He, even in his home state, he hasn't been able to do that. I mean, we can always hold out hope, Rob. It's a lifetime between now and the Iowa caucuses, so something you know really strange and wacky could happen. It does happen. And how often is the presumptive front, front runner the actual front runner? More often than not, it seems like the guy who we think is going to win turns out not to be the, the winner. The same way... Uh, to borrow a sports analogy yeah. that, that you might uh, relate to, rarely is the team you think is going to win the Super Bowl the team that does win the Super Bowl. Boy, that would be quite the uh, collapse. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Abdul will be with us. He's gonna he's got some interesting. Uh, he's crunched the numbers on what happened on Election Day in Marion County. He's got some really interesting info on why Hogsett won, why Hogsett won by so much, why the Republicans did so poorly, and what needs to happen next if they're going to make a difference in Marion County. Ethan's in for Casey. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. So it didn't go well for the Republicans in Marion County across the board on Tuesday night. And let's find out what the data says, why that might have happened. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's out this week, Ethan Hatcher and for Casey. Let's go to the WIBC hotline. Joined by our old friend, he's an author, he's a broadcaster. He's the owner and operator of IndiePolitics.org, the one and only Abdul Hakeem Shabazz. All right, Abdul, you got some interesting numbers. We mentioned them yesterday. It really was straight ticket voting that once again put Joe Hogsett back in the mayor's office. Uh, yes. Uh, I want to say when Greg Ballard ran uh, for re-election in 2011, there were 12,000 more Democrat straight ticket voters than Republicans. Fast forward uh, to 2023, that number was uh, like 37,000 more straight ticket voters. And uh, that's basically in a nutshell uh, what did it. Now, if you take out the straight ticket voting, you know, Granted, we're, we're playing a little bit of math here. If you take out the straight ticket voting, Jefferson Shreve actually wins the race by 1,300 votes. But that's like saying, you know, the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. Well, if you take out the last three innings of the Rangers, you know, the, the, the Diamondbacks won, which is which is a fair assessment. However, straight ticket voting uh, in Marion County is going to is uh, that's going to be the Republican challenge. There's just so many more straight ticket voters uh, in Marion County, uh, straight, straight ticket Democrat voters, than there are straight ticket Republican voters. Okay, so you know Joe Elsner became Marion County Party Chair for the Republicans a couple years ago, and we were told, well, you know, he's very close with the governor, and we've got somebody in there that knows what he's doing, and this guy will be able to raise money. It doesn't seem like Abdul, and I, look, I like Joe. He's always been very nice to, to, to me, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's changed anything. It seems like it is just no matter who the party chair is, no matter who the candidate is, it's just the same thing over and over again. Well, and you can also make that same argument for Hamilton County or Hendricks or, or Boone. I mean, Indiana, 
is uh, the counties are either very, very blue or very red. There are only like a handful of like purple counties left. You can even call it purple. I would say maybe like, maybe like a burgundy or mahogany uh, at, at the best. So I can't necessarily blame Joe. Uh, for that, but what, what, what Joe needs to do is just recruit, once again, recruit quality candidates and try to mitigate your, your losses. Now, Republicans did pick up one, uh, one seat because uh, before the Democrats were 20 to 5, now they're 19 to 6. That was like down in Perry Township where a new district uh, was drawn. Uh, but for the most part, Marion County is a very blue county. Uh, it, that's just the nature of the beast. The Republicans sent out mailers for Shreve, they, but it again, it just doesn't seem like there's a huge emphasis from the party on winning Marion County. Is there anything the state party can do, or is it ultimately, look, you just got to get a better guy to run? Uh, I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, we're always you're always sort of fighting the last war, so to speak. So you're looking at you know what happened last time, what happened with Cindy Carrasco, you know what happened with you know, Chuck Burr, what happened with our good friend uh, Jim Merritt, and do candidates matter? Yes, or does party organization matter? However, I'm not saying that Republicans can't win in Marin County. I'm just saying it's a very, very steep climb. Yeah, because the 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 Shreve result, by the way, Abdul is our guest. We're talking about election results from from the city of Indianapolis uh, on Tuesday. So you know, Shreve's result, despite all that money he spent, was essentially the same result that Cindy Carrasco got against uh, Ryan Mears and Joe Hogsett. Actually, Cindy Carrasco did. Actually, Cindy Carrasco did one point better. Well, okay, very good. Yes, thank you. And Joe Hogsett to me seemed way more vulnerable than 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 Ryan Mears. Maybe I'm missing that. But it, if you're Shreve, you got to be looking around, going, "Where did all my money go?" Exactly. Uh, and Jefferson, and I, Jefferson, and I haven't had a chance to talk yet because obviously, you know, when you when you lose a race, you want to take some time off to you know go sort of collect your thoughts and then do sort of your post election uh, analysis and everything. But I think well, I think what Shree's issue was wasn't so much the money because he had the money and he had uh, his plan, even though I disagree with some of it. Uh, Shree could not make that emotional connection with voters. Shree was a very smart guy, very sharp businessman, and a very good analytical mind. But for for lack of a better term, he's like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, really sharp, <laughs> but can't necessarily make that emotional connection with with the vote. Yeah, that's a big part of it, isn't it, Abdul? People have Process. got yeah, but people have got to believe in you, the person. That's a big the as big a part of it as your policies or anything else. People have to believe in you, the person. Right. It's it's the old line uh, when uh, George W. Bush ran against Al Gore back in two thousand. The the question was, who would you rather have a beer with? Yeah, good point. So Abdul's our guest. Let's let's go out to uh, Hamilton County. We were told, obviously, oh, Hamilton County going blue, and this Miles Nelson guy, he might be the guy. He not only got beat, he got beat badly. And again, I think it's sort of Shreve in reverse for the Democrats. He ran a bad campaign. Uh, he ran a bad campaign. I want to say what, what really did it for Nelson was, number one, the demographics of Carmel. Carmel hasn't changed over just yet. I'll probably say, and not, not the next election, still 2024, but but probably about 2029, you'll probably see a little bit more blue and caramel uh, than you do uh, red, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, Miles and the whole mom's celebrity and the whole Nazi thing is like, what has that got to do with the mayor of Carmel? That's what I never understood. Like, why? I mean, I understand sort of the nationalizing elections. I, I get that. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But it's got to be believable. And the whole mom's liberty thing and the Nazi quote, Sue denounced it. So why Miles decided to make that an issue is, is totally beyond me. Yeah, lo- local elections are about local issues. And you see in Fishers where we were told, oh, everybody hates the library board and these radical conservatives like Micah Beckwith. And there's going to be a bloodbath on these city council races. 
they they went to the Republicans. Like nothing changed by these people trying to nationalize these elections. It's still water. It's still sewer. It's still roads. It's still economic development. It's to some extent taxes. It's still the nuts and bolts things that I think the Democrats in Hamilton County blew it on that. Yeah, so local government, local government is just that, it's local government. Now, if you want to talk about the library board and all that, you go, and all the school board issues, that's what school board elections are for. That's where you have that debate, that's where you have that discussion. But your city council member, I mean, what do you you expect them to do, particularly when the city council has no control over the library board? Yeah. Uh, Before we let you go, obviously, we talked about a statehouse happenings. You got a Democrat going in Evansville. You got a Democrat going in Terre Haute. And I thought you made a good point on that. We talked about it yesterday. It's not really something to write home about. It's just the reset of the old world order. It's the way it had always been until very recently. There were some anomalies that took place. Winnecke in Evansville, Duke Bennett in in Terre Haute, and the order just kind of reset itself. Exactly, because uh, Lloyd Winnicky was was a very good. He was a, he was sort of that Greg Ballard mode of mayor. He could appeal to moderates and to Democrats and thoughtful independents, and he won. When he wasn't there anymore, Evansville went back. Duke Bennett was a little bit of a different story because he had some casino related issues and a couple other things. But once again, Terre Haute, the city, even though Vigo County may be more Republican, uh, Terre Haute is more of a Democratic city, and so basically the 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 the, the what. Ah, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> All right, are you doing any actual work for the radio station this weekend? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, basically, did any politics at work. We did uh, marijuana legalization, uh, particularly with what happened next door in Ohio. So that's what we're looking at on Indiana issues this week. But no, no. Do you have a uh, Do you have a Saturday show? Uh, no, IU football. Oh boy, uh, you haven't worked in a month and a half. Well, I work. It's just not on the air. <laughs> <laughs> find yeah, tell, 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 tell that to my blood pressure. Yeah, find it all. Find it all. IndiePolitics.org, the one and only Abdul Keep Jabaz. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you. 93 WIBC, it's Kendall and Casey Show. About 30,000 pounds. I've just started sending Kevin yes, just about hundreds of Harry Chapin clips off YouTube. Banana. Yeah, it's becoming the soundtrack to my life. <laughs> Thank Harry you. Chapin's good for that. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to gouge your eyes out with your fingernails, it's uh, Harry Chapin's the guy for you. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Uh, Ethan's in for Casey today. Don't forget you'd hear Ethan every Saturday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Saturday night on The Circle here on 93 WIBC. Ethan, I have great news. Excellent. I know you have thought about this for a long time, and it has been at the forefront of your your thoughts and your prayers. The, uh, the actor strike... It appears it's over. Oh, good, Rob. I was just following that with rapt attention and intense fascination. Um, yes, it went on for 118 days. Not long and enough. And it appears that that is uh, it, according to Variety. We're going to have Brian Baker on tomorrow to uh, discuss this. Have you missed not having your regularly scheduled television programming? No, no, not at all. In fact, I think that the strike hasn't gone on long enough. I wish these bozos would have stayed out of Hollywood for another few months and then really nailed home to the executives that we are tired of the woke rewrite of so many of our favorite franchises. Did you see the South Park parody that aired right at the end of uh, October joining the Panderverse? Yes, I did. Disney Beautiful. With, with the, was that the one with Disney? Uh-huh. And, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, put a chicken it and make her gay and lame <laughs> well yeah, so this is the so the, this will be the question i'll ask this to brian tomorrow because brian's going to join us obviously he works on a variety of uh acting gigs there in and now in georgia doing stunts etc for for films for television shows there seems to be a lack of 
understanding with the Hollywood community, we'll call them that for lack of a better term, I realize many of them are not in Hollywood anymore, on how little they're actually needed in society anymore because of the vast array of entertainment options mm-hmm. that people currently have. Mm-hmm. We've got a century of backlog material. We can, we can enter self, uh, entertain ourselves for eons. Yeah, and, and there was a time where you would say, oh my gosh, you, you know, let's say it's the 1980s and this would have happened. Oh my gosh, Cheers won't be on this Sunday. That's going to be horrible. Or, oh my gosh, I won't be able to see Alex P. Keaton and Family Ties or whatever. There was a time mm-hmm. when people had a consolidated uh, area of which they could grab entertainment options that people would have been probably up in arms. But now it's like, well, I have podcasting and I have old videos and on-demand programming. And it's like, oh, okay, you're not back. Well, that's good luck. Well, the, the Hollywood executives have nobody to blame but themselves because they have essentially killed episodic television through streaming services. No longer do you have that community gathering behind the one program like Cheers or Breaking Bad or what have you, um, where you follow it week by week and wait for the episodic releases. Now everything's dumped on a streaming service, you know, uh, the, the, the whole season and one day and you binge it in a week and then the whole thing is spoiled and it takes away the the specialness of what some of those programs were. Yeah, and I talked a little bit this, did you know that a Barrett News Media did a big article on I me? saw that. I didn't get to read it. Tell me more. Uh, well, and you know, I hate to talk about myself here, but I will. <laughs> but, you know, I was talking with, with uh, Ryan Hedrick when he put that together and I, we were talking about the, the challenges that radio is facing and why WIBC continues to do much better than the industry collectively as a whole because we target local and we target things that people can't get anywhere else like we have conversations on this program every single day that there's nowhere else you're going to get these sorts of conversations now there are certainly like any other programming some people who are just totally disinterested in that and we're never going to get those people but if you desire local content and talk we're talking about things in Carmel, and we're talking about things in Brownsburg, and we're talking about things in Greenwood and Greenfield and Fishers and certainly Indianapolis and Terre Haute and, and Evansville. You're not able to get that anywhere else. So not to say we are immune from the challenges that the radio industry has faced, but we have been able, and it's why we're by market share, one of the most listened to talk stations in America, we've been able to at least push back against that mm-hmm. because we give people things they can't get anywhere else. It's why some local newspapers continue to do okay, despite the fact that the news industry, the newspaper industry, for your big paper certainly, is in a death spiral. But if you're a great county paper and you're covering things that people won't or can't get anywhere else, then you've still got a fighter's chance to, or puncher's chance to survive. The TV industry or the movie industry, but primarily obviously the TV industry, has not done that well, they are not giving people things that they just simply can't get anywhere else. And people have found other venues to to acquire entertainment. Yeah, I mean, a, a prime example of not giving the audience what they want. Tomorrow's release, I believe it is, of the Marvels, oh. the uh, latest uh, installment. Are from you a Disney Marvel Mar- person? Used to be, uh-huh. uh, but see, Disney has ruined that. Like many of these Hollywood executives have gone seemingly franchise by franchise and ruined some of the things that we love, whether it's Indiana Jones or Doctor Who or Star Wars, and the list goes on. So much of this has been ruined by woke politics and the overhaul by these Hollywood uh, liberals and leftists. Um, I was disappointed to see the strike end. I think I think it needed to uh, continue because we needed a reversal from this trend. All right. Uh, it's the Kendall and Casey show. Ethan's in for Casey today. Uh, 
I'm going to read you part of this headline from Market Watch, Ethan. Housing affordability hits a 39-year low. Uh-oh. And then the little uh, description here, the monthly principal and interest payment of a median-priced house just surpassed $2,500 for the first time, a new record. And we talked with Mark Deedle earlier this week, a realtor who buys and sells homes for people all across central Indiana. And, and we were talking about what a wild time it is in the market where Interest rates have skyrocketed, yet it appears housing prices are still reaching or at or near record levels, in part because inventory is so hard to get. You're in this industry to some extent. You're not actively buying and selling homes, but you do buy property. You are the real estate king of the east side. And you do buy properties and then rent them to people. What are you finding right now? Um, I am finding that, I mean, fortunately, I I got my mortgages before the interest rates uh, uh, raised. Is precipitously, yeah. so I have. But you other- have people renting from you, and mm-hmm. usually, not always, not always the case, certainly, but many times. And I could say this as a person who's been both a home buyer and renter throughout my life. Renting is because you're not desiring, for whatever reason it may be, sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's not, you're not desiring to be in the home ownership business. So like, what do you kind of hear from your your renters? Is it a cost prohibitive? Yeah, no, many people would love to be homeowners, but it is so cost prohibitive to get into the market. And I mean, look, to a certain extent, that's just reality. If you don't have 10 to 20 percent to put down on a house, you probably don't have any business buying the house. And that was a big problem that we saw in the housing crisis of 2008 was the subprime mortgages where you're loaning this money to people who don't have any ability to pay the bills and you're not doing them any favor. So in that respect, keeping things rental in rentals is more financially stable. Um, it also allows renters more mobility, whereas if you're tied to a house, you're literally tied to the the locale, the community, whereas renting, you can just move with a job. Yeah. Um, so according to MarketWatch, U.S. housing market is at its least affordable since 1984. And again, the average, uh, when you put taxes, insurance, homeowners association fees, the average mortgage is now, now look, prices in San Francisco are going to be higher than they are in Indianapolis. But if you take the country as a collective, $2,500 is the average or surpassed $2,500. That's 84, you said. Yes. I thought things were hopping during the Reagan administration. Uh, well, That's like but, dead, dead dead, in the middle. He, he think, won handily re-election, so were, were things sucking? They can, well, not, not that I, bad. I think if you look at the statistical trend of the Reagan administration, things got pretty bad in the beginning and then started getting markedly better as he marched towards re-election. And he ran some nice ads, uh, and American people believed in that. And I think the second term, they continued to get to get better, but the early '80s, of which Reagan was the president, were were pretty uh, were pretty bleak. I, we did the math on this. Uh, I try to do it every so often because interest rates fascinate me. The same house that I have right now, if I tried to buy this house today, so same everything, same down payments, same price, same everything, would cost me six hundred dollars more a month if I bought that house today than when I bought it a year and a half ago. We're not talking like I bought something in the mid-90s. We're saying in a year and a half, just based solely on the economy and the interest rates, I would be paying $600 more a month for the exact same. That's like an unsustainable yeah. thing well, So would people. that pr- financially preclude you from being a homeowner if you had to make those same decisions well, today? You know, Ethan, I'm very a very wealthy radio broadcaster, yeah. so money is of no object to me. And in fact, well, I, More importantly, you're extremely frugal. Well, you're a penny pincher made manifest into a single person. Well, 
look, I, I work a second job at the golf course, and I do that one because I love golf, and it's climate-controlled, no heavy lifting, and they, for the work I do, threw a ridiculous amount of money at me to go do that. But a big part of the reason I, I did that is not because we need that money to pay our bills each day, but this economy is so unpredictable, and you can't count on the government for anything, any sort of stability or, or ability to chart a path. So, yeah, I go work a second job just because this world is so damn unstable that you got to squirrel as much away as you possibly can. Well, I also assume you have retirement plan. Oh, well, no, Ethan, I chose a career in radio. I'll be I'll be dying right here in the uh, in the WIBC studio. In fact, I'll just go face down one day as I go to a break, which we're going to do right now. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Of mashed banana. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher from Saturday Night on the Circle, guest hosting. Great job today. Man, I'm so happy to be here, Rob. Thanks for asking me in. You exceeded all expectations, as you uh, always do. But I did, uh, in the moments we have left here today, I did want to ask you a question. Because you uh, sure. you not only are a Marion County resident, you also own a lot of property in yes. Marion County. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of property, but I own a modest plot. I mean, Let's you're, say that. you're basically the real estate king of the east side of Indiana. <laughs> East side of Indianapolis. Yeah. There we go. We'll, we'll use that qualifier. So I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, you see the election results, and I know on, on your program and, and you have on other uh, parts of this radio station talked about, hey, you couldn't you couldn't vote for Shreve because the guy is a zero. And I think that was a good – Yeah. That, I think that was the, the correct approach. You can't reward the bad behavior. But in light of the fact that the default is Hogsett and he wins easily, are you worried about putting your financial future in? In essentially Joe Hawk set in the city of Indianapolis's hands for four more years. Oh, yeah. No, I'm immensely concerned. In the words of Joe Biden, get ready, Bow. You're going to end for a problem <laughs> because Joe Hogsett has outlined his full intent to inundate the city of Indianapolis with things like high density urban housing, which have already been proven failures in things like the, the, the city of New York. The projects are failing structures. That's not the way to expand your residential zone, but Joe Hogsett is married to that idea. And worse yet, we elected the first openly avowed democratic socialist, a Karl Marx loving uh, communist to the city council, uh, Jesse Brown in Irvington. Look, I didn't vote for him. I voted for uh, Libby Glass. Yeah, and a libertarian. Yeah. And I was I was talking with Libby's mom because she's just a real sweetheart. And I said, look, at least somebody ran. But how pathetic is that? The Republicans couldn't even field a candidate against You know this guy. what? I'm going to give the Republicans a pass on this one. As a resident of Irvington, I understand the residents of the community and if you wanted to watch money get flushed down a toilet, <laughs> then run a campaign in that community. Yeah. It's like a college town minus the college. You got all of the university flair, the little slogans, the yeah. coexist bumper stickers, the rainbow flags, the Black Lives Matter, the yada, yada, yada. It's you know very stereotypical, and the results are as expected. I was talking with a, a buddy the other day. He works in state government, really good, good dude, and we were talking about is this your anonymous friend? Yes, my birdie who gives me a lot of stuff. And uh, uh, we will never name this person for fear of immense retribution if somebody found out that, that, uh, that we were that good of friends. Um, what moves people now? Because like I, I watch these election results all across the state, and I maintain it is the candidate more than anything else that moves people. Because like 
I'm not sure the the idea of taxes or wasteful government spending. I'm not sure that really registers with people anymore. Is it now? Are we in a candidate-only world? Uh, Yeah, I think personality really matters, and Jefferson Shreve certainly was a pusillanimous, spineless little weasel. He was a what? He was was cowardly. He was pusillanimous, spineless little weasel on the campaign trail. It was absolutely ridiculous. I keep circling back to this moment because I was screaming at the television. I think you and I talked about it when he paused mid-sentence during his thought because the dinger went off, and the moderators had to give him permission. Permission. (laughs) to finish his thoughts. Yes, Jefferson, you can get to the end of the sentence. Holy crap. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest part of it is we have uninspired. We talked to Tony Kennett earlier in the show about this. Whether it's Jefferson Tree running for mayor or look at these people running for governor, there's just a bunch of very uninspiring people. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the down ballot, like, you know, your city council candidates or your town council candidates in in various municipalities, they're just, it's like, like at Browns where I live. The Republican lost. Now, I think it's a couple things. I think it's the governance of the five Republicans has been so bad that people are like, we're just done with you guys. But it's also the guy didn't work very hard and he didn't really offer a vision. And if people are like, if you're not going to work for this, if you're not going to give us something to go on, then what does it matter whether it's a Democrat or Republican? And all the Democrat people showed up, and now Brownsburg has been run so poorly, they finally, for the first time ever, have a Democrat on this on the town council. Re- it just, you got to give people something to believe in. Yeah, no, Republicans need to get their crap together. Get your crap together. Put it in a box. Just put it put it in a box and get your crap together. Get it together. Uh, are you? So what? Are, what is your game plan? Are you like, dude, I'm just stuck being a, a, the the real estate king of the east side? Well, or yes, are, are, Rob. Are, are, the houses are, can't move. I can't transplant well, the houses. They are physically located in Marion County, so unless I want to sell my empire well, that's what I'm and asking. move elsewhere. Well, I, I can't do that right now, so I am <laughs> oh. I am married to the community. Yeah. Whatever leadership there is, I'm stuck with it, and I have to endure the Hogshead administration or fall into bankruptcy, yeah. which, y- you know, may come first. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, I learned this lesson the hard it's, way in my, in my 20s, Ethan, because I had an internet-based business that was gangbusters, and then I made the egregious mistake of taking those profits and buying a radio station that had property with it, and this, it, and you're in the position that I was for years, it sucks to be tied to something that you can't untie yourself from and thankfully years later i was able to come up with a business plan to untie myself from that but it sucks man to have to be totally wed to something when you're you're beholden to really terrible governance. Look, Rob, I console myself that despite how incompetent the leadership of the city of Indianapolis is and how woefully inadequate the state leadership is and the General Assembly from the Republican Party, and in spite of all that woeful incompetence, we're still relatively better than most other states in the area. So there you go. Okay, Ethan Hatcher <laughs> uh, in for Casey today. So let me ask you this, because we started the show with the debates. We talked about it you know, intermittently throughout the show. Has a debate ever swayed your vote? Have you ever watched someone debate and gone, boy, I was going for Fred, but Tom was so magnanimous, I'm with Tom now? Yes. Really? It doesn't happen often, but from time to time it does. And the most recent example was the first Republican debate of this primary cycle when Vivek Ramaswamy strolled out on that stage and started talking about nuclear energy Uh and cutting taxes Uh and individual responsibility. And he's hitting all the notes. We talked about it earlier in the debates. I loved his performance. I thought he won this one. Vivek Ramaswamy before, I thought he was kind of a cringe. You know, he was Uh kind of a loser, kind of an oddball, you know, going and rapping with the the, Eminem over at the, uh, the 
State Fair there in Iowa. Yeah. Thought that was ridiculous. And he strolls out on the uh, debate stage. And my God, this guy makes a lot of sense. So, yes. Doesn't it bother you that he's void of, and I agree with you, I thought the I mean, the first clip we played today was him roasting the Republican Party and Rona Rana McDaniel. But he got a few good owns throughout the debate. It he, was a good performance. He told, I, he told I was you, laughing along with him, man. Doesn't it bother you, though, that he's mostly void of specifics on anything? They're politicians, and how specific can you get in a, in a short amount of time, Rob? Like, he's, he's, talk, he's hitting all the right points, and that's all you can ask. So are you with him? Yeah, I mean, I wish, look, like DeSantis, I wished he would have turned his energy up by about 35%, yeah, right. and his debate performance would have been a lot better, because he was so deadpan, even when he was responding to other you know, uh, people on the debate stage, like Nikki Haley, it's like he didn't have any conviction for his own beliefs, and I agreed with what he was saying. Yeah. So, I like, look, I like Vivek's uh, points, I liked his presentation, and if DeSantis starts giving off some of that energy, maybe I'll return to the DeSantis camp. All right, well, we'll leave it there with that. Good job today. By the way, what's coming up this Saturday uh, Saturday night for Saturday Night on the Circle? We will be talking about the debates. We will be talking I about am. the fallout from the elections and, of course, playing the finest clips of stupidity selected from politics for your entertainment and enlightenment. You do a great job with the audio. i got to say, uh, I'm very proud of you. I've seen you come a, a very long way. Uh, Ethan Hatcher, Saturday Night on the Circle. Great job today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Great job to you, Kevin, as always, as well. Thanks to you, the listener. Without you, there is no us. And we invite you to stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. Kendall and Casey, 93 WIBC.